Almighty God, in the beauty of this crisp fall morning, we look around us and see the amazing world that you have created and the wonders that you have made just for us to be a part of and enjoy. We come together as your people, as your church, with open hearts and ask that your Holy Spirit will fill us with your love and purpose so that we may better serve you and worship your holy name. Our greatest desire is to please you and to be obedient to your voice as your spirit guides and directs our lives. May our lives bring honor to you and glorify you in all things. Lord, it's a great privilege to be able to come together with you in prayer, to lift up the petitions of our heart, and to celebrate those moments in our lives where we see you living and moving among us. We rejoice today with Hollis Dubois and Michael Kirk, who were married in the sanctuary yesterday, and pray with their families for a marriage blessed with happiness and joy as they begin their life together with you in the center. We know also that while some are celebrating, others are experiencing difficulties in their lives that so often revolve around issues of health and illness. We lift up those who have been hospitalized this week and and know that they're not the only ones who are suffering illnesses or different things, but we lift them up specifically. They are Alice Nebraska, Jane Jackson, Craig Collins, Don Bolton, and Buster Pate. And we pray today that as they each begin their journey of recovery and recuperation, that they will feel the healing provided by your hands, giving them strength and encouragement each day. And Lord, we do mourn today with Sharon Emerson and her family following the death of Doug this past week. And we pray for your blessings of love and comfort to surround them at this difficult time. We thank you for the blessing of his life and the many ways he served you in this church. Bless his family and friends with the peace that only you can give and help us to comfort each other in times of loss and pain. These prayers that we share this morning, Lord, are the ones that come directly from our hearts. And we lift them up to you in confidence and assurance that when we pray in the name of Jesus, you will hear and answer our prayers. And now together we lift our voices in the prayer taught to us by Jesus himself, who taught us to pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The proclamation of the word is central to Christian worship. And it's our responsibility to proclaim it here, um, in places near here, and of course in the lives of our family and friends. There is much proclamation of the word going on among us, and I know that others uh, within our congregation have proclaimed the word uh, to groups beyond us uh, in the last few days. 
I, I saw Gwen Erb come in this morning and I was reminded that she uh, took the Marian Methodist turn last night at Summit Point and proclaimed the word of Jesus Christ there. And this morning as we worship, Tim Atwood, who normally sits right over here, is proclaiming uh, the word at Wesley United Methodist Church in Muscatine, uh, giving witness to the ministry that you're doing here uh, in God's name and proclaiming how they might be able to, in some ways, copy us as we pursue God's way. This morning, of course, you're going to hear your pastor Keith proclaim the word. He's going to base those uh, comments on the word that comes to us and two of those scriptures uh, come to you that I'll read for you this morning. The first comes from the Gospel of Matthew Uh, Chapter 9, beginning at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. And the second scripture that proclaims the word to us today comes from Romans. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Join me, if you would, in praying for your preacher this morning, Pastor Keith. Lord God, we ask your blessing on Keith, that as he comes, he might come filled with nothing but the Holy Spirit, and that he may speak nothing to us but the words that you have given us. Strengthen your son, Keith, our pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. That's right. There's just going to be this booming sound all morning when I get up here to preach this morning. I'm excited to, uh, to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. We're talking about our, our definition of discipleship and, and what that looks like here at our church. And today we're moving to the part, it's, kind of, it's pretty close to, to Mike's comments last week, but, but we're talking today about that a disciple seeks to be the hands and feet of Christ as part of God's transforming plan for the world. So we know what our mission is, right? Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But how we choose to, to see that lived out among us is, is an understanding that we have to have correctly. Because if we don't, we can fall into some, some pretty serious traps. So as we look at our, our definition this morning, we see that our desire is to be the hands and feet of Christ for his plan. Now that, that scripture that Pastor Mike read from, from the gospel is, is right before Jesus gets ready to send out his disciples and to, to do the mission of the church. Now Jesus went out first and he did the mission of, the church, of, of, of his father. He went out and he proclaimed the good news. He healed diseases and he, he, he brought people back from, from the dead. And then he takes his disciples and he says, now basically you guys are going to go do the same things that I have done. And then he says an interesting thing. He says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out the workers into his harvest field. See, that's the thing we got to remember, first of all, is that 
This is his harvest field. It's not ours. The plan is God's plan, and we are his hands and his feet. Now, here's something that's always made me kind of curious. Why does Jesus need us to do anything? Why didn't he just go out and do it himself? I mean, was he just tired and he just had to take a vacation, so he, he sent his disciples to go do his work? Or, or what was the deal? People think that now, too. They say, why, if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and can do anything, why does God need us to go out and do anything? If he wants hungry people fed, why doesn't God just snap his fingers? I mean, he could do that, right? If God wanted, uh, you know, uh, houses built for people that couldn't have houses, why does he need us to go do that? I mean, we have, we, we're not God. We can't just, we have to work hard to do stuff, right? But God could just think it and it would happen. So why does God want human beings to be part of his plan? It's, it's pretty interesting. I was thinking about that <clears throat> this week and I was remembering a time when, uh, when my kids were really little, and we had, we had kids when we were pretty young. I think I was probably maybe 23 when our daughter, Devin, who's now 17, was born. And I grew up as a, a, a preacher's kid, so PK, you know, that's, that was me. And my dad was not Mr. Handyman Fix-It guy, so I didn't grow up learning how to fix stuff and how to, how to you know, work tools and, and everything like that. So for me, as a, as a young dad, I, I decided I was going to have to learn how to do some of that stuff because I wanted to build a playhouse for my kids. So I went out and bought all the tools and bought the lumber and the material and everything and got the instructions. And, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it doesn't come all made for you. It just says, cut this two by four to this length. So you got to have a saw. I didn't have a saw. You know, drill a hole through here. Didn't have a drill. So I got it all ready to go, laid it out. I'm getting pretty excited about it. But I'm also a little intimidated by the project. <clears throat> well, as I'm getting it all laid out in the backyard, my daughter comes out. And she's like, Daddy, what you doing? I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to build you a, a, a play set for you and your little brother, you know. Can I help? Now, what do you think a little, a little girl who's probably two years old, less than two years old, can, can she give much help to a project like that? Absolutely not. But do you think that it would have been the, the, the good and godly thing for me as her dad to say to her, no, go inside. I don't need your help. You should have seen her. Devin was really cute when she was a little baby. She was fat, and she had like 30 rolls on her arms. She'll be at the next service. I won't be able to say that, so I need to get it out now. But she, she, was, she was this little chubby little kid, and she would come out, and she can I help? And I was like, what are you going to do to that? Of course. So I'm trying to think to myself, how am I going to help? How am I going to have this girl help me? She's not going to be able to do much, but the excitement in her eyes to be part of what her daddy was doing was the point. So I made up little jobs for her. Hey, that pile of scraps right there, I, Daddy needs that over there. <laughs> okay, Daddy. And then she'd pick it up, put it over there. Oh, now what can I do now? Oh, that, you know what? I think it would be better over there, right? Because I wasn't going to give her the hammer. I wasn't going to give her the saw. And, and the truth is, I could have built that thing a lot faster if I didn't have her help. But it was a day that I remember, and it was an opportunity for her and I to be on the same team and to get something done together. So now when she looks back on that, she can say, yeah, I played a part in that. You see where I'm going with this? God doesn't need us to do anything. He could do it all himself, but he wants us to be part of his plan. 
That's why we're to be his hands and his feet. So, number one here today is to think about it like this. Jesus accomplishes his plan through his disciples. That's just a biblical fact. He accomplishes his plan through his disciples. And, And we see that the reason why he chooses to do that is because that's what's best really for us. Ultimately, it's an act of love on his part to let us play a part in what he's doing. It's an act of love. It has nothing to do with efficiency. It has nothing to do with an, with, with an inability on his part. It's an act of love that we get to be a part of God's mission. I want you to think about it like that. I don't want you, when you hear about things going on in the church, things that need to be done, ministries that need to be supported, if you have the attitude that, oh, do I have to do that? Then you've missed the point completely. We've missed the point completely. There is no have to on God's mission. There's only get to. There's only get to. He chooses to accomplish his plan through his disciples because it builds relationship and it builds ownership. But understand this at the same time, God is not looking for people to do things for him, but rather to do things through. He's not looking for people to do things for him. He's looking for people that he can do things through. See, that's one of the traps that we can fall into. First trap, of course, being like, oh, God, I have to do this. That's trap number one. Trap number two is thinking, hey, all right, God, I got this. You know, God, I'm sure you can handle up there. I got this down here. Don't worry. I'm pretty awesome. I can take care of this. And then we start getting puffed up with how great we could become, right? And we think that God needs us to do things for him because somehow, for some reason, he's unable to do it or unable to do it. Remember, he's not looking for someone to do something for him. He could do anything he wants, but he wants people that he can do things through. There's a big difference. Because when you're a person who recognizes that God is doing something through you, boy, what an amazing privilege that becomes. What an amazing privilege that becomes. So even though that whole idea of God allowing us to be part of his mission, it's good for us, it's not about us. Because we have to remember something right now. Even when we talk about the mission of the church, we have to remember it's not our mission, it's God's mission. The church doesn't so much have a mission in as much as God's mission has a church. You see, God has the mission and the church belongs to God, so the church accomplishes the mission of God. So God's mission is where our mission comes from. It's his mission, but notice he says the the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The The laborers are few because there's a whole lot of people that should be on the team that are sitting on the bench or sitting in their houses not doing things because they may feel like it's God's job to do it all and they don't want to, or they may feel like, what good can I possibly bring to the table? So if you want to recognize as a disciple that you're to become the hands and feet of Christ for the transformation of the world, how do you do it? Well, first and foremost, you have to every day affirm your discipleship. You have to wake up in the morning and remind yourself and everyone else around you to whom you belong and who you are. And you have to remind yourself, I belong to Christ. I am a disciple. I have to affirm that because if you don't, especially in our day and age, it can be so easy to become someone else's disciple, can't it? It can become 
it can become so easy to become your boss's disciple or your teacher's disciple or your coach's disciple or your family's disciple or your own disciple and just wander aimlessly. You have to remind yourself that you are here to be Jesus' disciple and to follow him. And we must affirm that because to become a part of Jesus' discipleship team means that you don't just join something or go to something. It means that you are brought into a body. The Bible talks about us, us as disciples, that we are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. Think of how many parts there are to the human body. And that was the analogy that the Apostle Paul was using in 1 Corinthians. He was saying that Christ is like the body and each of you is a part of it. Now there of course are different parts and and, and some parts might seem more important than others but the truth is if one part ceases to function the whole body can be thrown into disarray. I used to spend a lot of time with... um, with professional mixed martial artists in, when I was uh, leading a Bible study in a gym in Bettendorf. And these are guys that their job is to get put into a, like a, a steel cage and, 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 and kind of sort of wrestle and box at the same time. And these guys are the toughest people you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, these guys are crazy. And I remember one day, there's this guy, he was a world champion. And I remember seeing him walk into the gym one day, and he was on a crutch with his foot all bandaged up. And I'm like, what happened to you? And he was in some serious pain. <sighs> I got an ingrown toenail. <clears throat> it's bad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're like a 270-pound monster, you know, and, and, and you get punched in the face for a living, and, and you're going to be complaining because you got a bad toenail? You know, he's like, you don't understand. It hurts. I'm like, okay, it must, you know. But you see, sometimes we can, get, we can get locked in this mindset, even in the church and discipleship, but thinking, well, I'm not as important as somebody else. You know, maybe I'm not, I'm not as important as the preacher, or I'm not as important as the musician, or I'm not, but you know what? Jesus says that we're all part of the body, and if one part ceases to function, the entire body suffers. So each part has to play its part. And you have to understand, as a disciple, you have a part. Now, what is that part? That's the joy of being a Christian, is figuring out what that is. That's, that's, the, that's the party, is, is, is seeking God every day, saying, God, what would you have me do? What's my part to do today? How do you want me to be a part of this? You know, I, I told you guys, I think I told you the story a couple weeks ago of what some of our students did, where I've, I've got a group of kids that come over to my house on Sundays, and they're in this discipleship intensive, and it's pretty awesome, but all I really do with them is I say to them, okay, here's a part in the scripture where Jesus says to his disciples, go and do this, and then they go and do it. So a couple weeks ago, I told them, I said, uh, we'd read the scripture where it says, feed the hungry. I said, go feed some hungry people. And maybe a dozen, 15 of our kids that were there that night decided they were going to get their money pulled together right there on the spot and go and buy groceries for a family that lived in this, in this trailer park that, that one of our students knew, and they were going to anonymously drop it on the doorstep and walk away. So they were all excited. Half the kids did that. The other part of them went down to Cedar Rapids. They just went around and fed homeless people. It was awesome. So these kids went out to the store, and they went and they bought all this food with their own money. These students, they pulled about $120 or whatever together. And, and then they went out, and they, they 
were starting to try to figure out where to go. And, and, and they, they struggled with where they were going to be because they didn't know what to do. Because the, the first house they went to, the people had been, had, were gone. So they had, to, they had to stop and pray. This, the second thing I want to show you up here is this. You've got to, to see the world through God's eyes. So they called, they called me, and my daughter called me. and said, what do we do? And I'm like, just pray and see what God would do. So they began to pray, and God led them to another family through these kids that were riding their bikes by or something. And, and, and they went, and they followed them. And said, God said, go here. So they put the food on the, on the doorstep, and as they're walking away, a woman comes to the door, looks down, sees it, and begins to weep. Because what we found out later was that her husband had been laid off from his job. And they didn't know how they were going to buy food. And when they came back, they were so excited. They were fired up. They came, you're not going to believe what happened, Pastor Keith. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was incredible. I said, yeah, it was great. You had to see the world, though, through God's eyes. You had to see and hear what God wanted them to hear because their thought was to go to this particular house first. You see, God has his plan for us. And it might not be our plan. Sometimes our plan is to do this, and God says, nope, I want you over here for a reason. So if you want to, to be God's hands and feet, you've got to see the world through God's eyes. Now, there's this scripture in, in Matthew 25 where, where Jesus talks about what that looks like practically. And he talks about this idea that when the Son of Man comes in his glory, let's just look at this, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, sometimes we have to stop looking at the world the way we see it and see Jesus even where we can't physically see him. And that's what those kids did that day. You know, Pastor Mike last week talked about how almost daily there are people who come into this church seeking assistance. And, and Vicki does a great job uh, interfacing with those people. And I, I have to tell you, my, my God's honest truth I have been lied to and scammed so many times when that happens that when I see a person come in like that and I know that's what they want, my guard just goes right up. It, it just goes right up after years, and I'm sure it does to, 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 these, to these two as well. It's hard because I, I, I mean, I've, been, I've been asked for money by someone who, who needed $500 because he told me he got kicked in the knee by a wild horse who I saw just walk in the church. You know, I, I, I've... I could go on and on and on of stories, and these guys could too, of people who've come in and said, oh, this is the situation, and you find out it's a complete lie. It can be easy to see everyone with those eyes. But you see, God's eyes are different. God sees people with the image that he created them with. 
And if you want to be his hands and his feet, you've got to stop looking at the world through your eyes and you've got to start looking at it through his eyes. And that's what those kids did that day. They said, this is where we want to go, what we want to do. But God had a different plan. And oftentimes it's when God's plan shows up that you step back afterwards and say, wow, I never would have thought about it that way. I never would have seen that. So how would your life change if you saw the image of God everywhere you looked and even among the least of these? As his hands and feet in the world, we also have to remember we are his eyes as well. And we have to see the world. So once we've seen the world, then, of course, then we're to go and do. Jesus calls his disciples together in Matthew 10, 1, and he gives them authority to drive out impure spirits and every disease and sickness. And he says, look, the things that you've seen me do, now you're going to go do. But notice what he says here. It says that he gives them authority. He basically says, the power that I have, I now give it to you. I know you're going to mess up my sermon illustrations. I know that the prodigal son is not going to sound the way it sounded when I taught it, Jesus says. I know that you're going to do things not exactly perfectly the way I do it, but I'm giving you my authority anyway. Now go out and do it. And the awesome thing is that they went out and they did. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. They went out. It worked. And they came back rejoicing, going, we can't believe this actually happened. It was awesome. And Jesus says, that's great, but you want to know what's even more awesome is that you're on the team. You know, when those kids came back to my house after their experience, they were, they were just excited and jazzed like you couldn't believe. It was so much fun to see them come back, fired up, Patrick, we want to do this every week. And I said, you think? That's what we're talking about. That's the idea. We want you doing stuff like this every week. So you know what we did the next week? We said, go out and heal the sick. And we had students going to the hospitals, walking up to nurses' station going, hey, you were talking about like 10th and 11th graders here, you know. And Pastor Keith wasn't with them. I just said, go figure it out. They'd walk in and say things like, who doesn't have any visitors on this floor? And then they'd go and visit with kids. They'd go over to Summit Point and say, who's here that hasn't had anyone come visit them for for a while? Let's go visit them. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see them fired up, you know. And I know what some of you, you might be thinking, well, I can't go and do that. I'm busy. I have this going on. I have that going on. You know what? I would say this. First of all, you you absolutely can, most of you. Most of us can. We We just don't because we're busy doing our stuff. We're busy living our lives. But Jesus says, look, take the authority and go out and do it. Go out and do it. But I know what what many of us think. We say, oh, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if there's a problem? What if, what if I try? You know what? Here's the thing. Even Jesus, I don't want to say the word failed because Jesus never failed, but there were moments even in Jesus' ministry where he didn't heal people. There are moments in Jesus' ministry where he invited someone to follow him and they turned away. There are moments in Jesus' ministry where he wanted to perform a miracle but could not because of their lack of faith. But did it stop him? No. Did it stop the disciples? No. Will it stop us? It shouldn't. We must be called to go and do. But I still know what you're thinking. Oh, that was great. But man, I can't. My body doesn't work anymore. I'm physically unable to go. I can't. I don't know what to do. I don't have that opportunity. You want to know something? You still have a part to play. 
Because you can help those who are helping. You can help those who are helping. I, I love this, this, this word from Jesus in Matthew 10, 40. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. If you can't go, you can help someone who's helping. See, let me tell you a little bit more about that story about the kids with the, with the groceries. See, they didn't have this planned out. So they weren't completely prepared. So some kids had money on them, and, and they put that money together. But there were a couple of kids who were going to pay with their, with their debit card. Well, and they all got their groceries up to the front. You know, a couple of the, the cards weren't quite working. You ever have that happen to you, by the way? You get all your stuff up to the front, and nothing works. And the people behind you, like, get mad at you like that was what your plan was. Mm, that'll be a fun day. So they got up there, and they didn't know what to do. They're like, what's going to happen now? Well, it just so happens that there was a, 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 a woman from our church who wasn't involved in our discipleship class. She wasn't in a Bible study that day. She wasn't planning on doing anything. She just wanted to go to the grocery store and, and, and shop for her family. But while she was there, she saw something, you know, kind of unusual, a bunch of our 412 kids, you know. And she went over to them and saw that they were having a problem and said, what's going on? And they explained to her. And she simply said, oh, well, let me help. And she took care of the rest of the money that they didn't have. You see, sometimes you might not be, but she had to, first of all, be looking at the world through God's eyes to see that. Because most people see a, a group of teenagers at a grocery store and go the other way. I know I do, right? <clears throat> but her mindset was, what's going on here? Do these kids need my help? And you know what? They did. And she helped. You might not be a person who can go to Haiti. You might not be a person who can make fly lunches. You might not be a person who can sew a school kit. You might not be a person who can fill a shoebox. You might not be a person who can write a big check or a small check or any kind of check at all. You might not be a person who, who can do a whole lot for whatever reason in your life right now. But you know what? Jesus said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. You can welcome someone. You can help someone who is helping. You can go to someone who's, who's on the front lines of the mission of God and say, what can I do to help you? Because Jesus said, whoever, whoever helps a prophet receives a prophet's reward. So if you can't help, help someone who is helping. Find a way. Get involved. You can do that. And lastly, if you can't go, send. If you can't go, send. Because I'll tell you something. Those kids didn't go that day on their own. They were sent. People don't go on mission trips. They're sent on mission trips. People don't go out in the world and do mission stuff and help and preach. They're sent. From Romans, Mike read this verse earlier. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. If you can't go, send. Give. Give to support missions. Support those who go. Sponsor a child. Find a way to get involved. You know, there are more ways that you can help from, from just your own home now than there ever has been in, in, in history. 
There's no reason why anyone can say, I can't do anything. Each of us can do something. Each of us can play a part. Some of us can go. Some of us can send. Some of us can work. Some of us can pay. Some of us can, can, can travel. And some of us can pray. And some of us can do. And some of us can, can, can be a part of that. Every part. Every part is what's important. This is our mission. This is your mission. Because ultimately, it's Jesus' mission. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, God, for the ministry that you give to us that we can, Lord, love you enough to be on your team and that you'd love us, Lord, to call you to serve. Father, I pray today that you would stir up within each of us, Lord, a desire to be your hands and feet in this world, to recognize that you're accomplishing your mission through us. May we see the world through your eyes and may we go and do and send in Jesus' name we pray, amen.